Ju Ha, and welcome to our first episode of Books Are Us in Season 4, coming live from Bettendorf, Iowa at Hobo Elementary. I'm Avalon, and we're all so excited to be here today. I'm Shalini, the best podcaster in the U.S. Shalini, don't mess around. Sorry, I just love podcasting already. Anyway, if you have listened to our alumni's podcast before, great. We are a group of 6th graders who believe in the power of voice and, well, we love to read. Books R Us is a podcast that features soon-to-be-released book titles or very newly released books. This year, our group will be doing things differently. We currently have three different teams of Books R Us podcasters who will be talking with you, hopefully more frequently this year. Our goal is to get the word about word out about more titles than ever before. We did this so everyone would hear more amazing stories that you will want to read. Well, today's book is... Guys, let me say it. Today's book is, drumroll please, A Tale Magnolias by Suzanne Nelson. This is a phenomenal book. It's about an orphan girl named Nitty who runs away and meets an elephant. That's so cool. I've never read a book with an elephant in it. The elephant's name was Mag. Anyway, Nitty steals a bag of seeds from a mysterious person. She takes Mag to a barn where she meets... Wendell, who isn't very accepting, but takes her in anyways. This story takes place during the Great Depression. This is a story of hope, friendship, and a little magic. If you're wondering how, then read the book. Today, our podcast will include audio excerpts from our recent interview with author Suzanne Nelson. She was kind enough to answer some of our questions, and we've included her responses throughout the podcast. If you didn't know, we called Suzanne Nelson and asked questions about her book. We will be getting to that part later. Let's start by talking about the positive things. Okay, so what are your guys' favorite character and why? My favorite character is obviously Twitch, who is Nitty's best friend. He's funny and a really great investigator who has the best conspiracy theories. My favorite character is definitely Magnolias, the elephant. She's loyal and helpful and makes sure Nitty is safe and protected. The best character to me was Nitty. She was an inspiring character who never gave up no matter the situation. If you like the book, The Honest Truth, then you would probably like A Tale Magnolias. The Honest Truth by Dan Gemeinhart is about a boy who has cancer, but runs away to climb a mountain before he dies. Both books are similar because both characters run away to escape from something they wanted to leave. Mark, from The Honest Truth, wanted to get away from his home because it didn't, because it wasn't somewhere where his parents didn't let him be adventurous. He wanted to go on his own, but his parents were afraid that he was going to get hurt and it wasn't safe for him because he had cancer. Back to A Tale of Magnolias. Nitty wanted to get away from the orphanage because it simply didn't feel like home. The Honest Truth was one of my best reads, but when I read A Tale of Magnolias, I, re- I realized they had some parts in common. You have to read A Tale of Magnolias. It's a really great one, and I recommend, recommend it to those who like books about friendship, suspense, and mystery. Let's move on to our interview. We had an author interview with the one and only Suzanne Nelson. A huge thanks to Miss Nelson for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. Yes, thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. Something we wondered was, where did she get the title? Let's hear the audio. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a little bit of a long story, but the title Magnolias is actually a word that is not used very much in the English language anymore. It's an old-fashioned word that was much more popular during Nitty's time and prior to Nitty's time, so in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, and it means magnificent, grand, larger than life, uh, magnolias. 
So I have these great books um, that I use when I'm writing that one of them is called Endangered Words. And the books contain lists of words that aren't particularly used frequently anymore in modern times, but that are fantastic and fun words to use. So even before I wrote Magnolias, I came across that word in the Endangered Words book and I marked the page and I thought to myself, someday I'm going to use the word Magnolias in a story because it's such a fantastic word. And then when I started thinking about the idea for the book, um, I don't know if you girls know that Magnolias the Elephant is loosely inspired by a real life elephant named Mary who was executed in Irwin, Tennessee in the early 1900s. And so Mary the Elephant was sadly killed. She was accused of killing her trainer and the circumstances surrounding his death are very mysterious still. There were varying accounts of what happened, but I think the bottom line was that he was abusing her. He wasn't properly trained to um, handle and care for elephants. He didn't really understand what he was doing and an accident happened and he ended up dying. And there was a public outcry and people wanted marry the elephant to be killed and unfortunately she was and part of what happened the idea for the book came when I read about Mary's story and it haunted me and I wanted to give her a different ending so Mary the elephant became Magnolias the elephant and I thought Magnolias was a fantastic name for an elephant who does Magnolias things and brings a magnolias amount of hope to the town of Fortune's Bluff. So that's part of where the title came from. Uh, the other side of that coin is the title is very much occur. It, it happens through a collaborative effort between the author and the publishing house. So the original title was not actually a tale magnolias. The original title was Old Magnolias and the Miracle Farm. And when I sent the manuscript to my editor, she said, I love Magnolias in the title. We definitely need to keep the word Magnolias in the title, but she didn't want to use the word old because she was worried that when readers picked up the book, they might not like the idea of Magnolias being old and tired and worn out. So we took out that word and then she didn't want Miracle Farm in there. So she said, let's go back and forth and brainstorm some different um, other title possibilities. So we actually went through 65 title possibilities before we decided on A Tale Magnolias. And my editor and I happen to be very close and we work really well together. So we emailed each other back and forth for a couple of weeks with long lists of titles. And eventually, after going through 65 titles, we came up with A Tale Magnolias. That was so fascinating on, about how she elaborated on buying a book of endangered words. This was awesome because she had beautiful words. Let's go on to our next question. Where did you come up with the Bruiserfield idea? Well, let's hear the audio excerpt. So 
I, I'm not entirely sure where the idea for the magic seeds came from in my mind. I, I think originally I knew that I wanted Nitty and Magnolias to rescue a dying town. And I knew that I wanted to include a farmer. And the reason why I wanted to include a farmer in my story is because I actually come from a long line of farmers. And um, my family uh, owns a former potato farm in Pennsylvania that has been in our family for over 150 years. And prior to that, some of my ancestors owned land nearby that, and they were also farmers. So going back all the way to the Revolutionary War, I have ancestors who were farmers. So farming has always been a huge part of my family. And my grandfather was a potato farmer, and I was very, very close to him. And Wendell's character in A Tale Magnolias is loosely inspired by my grandfather. He was a very smart man, very intelligent, self-educated. He never went to college, but he read the New York Times every Sunday. That was what he did first thing every Sunday when he woke up. He always was an early riser. He got up at 4.30 in the morning every day to start farming and, and work on his fields. And he was an extremely passionate man. And he was also a great larger-than-life dreamer. And Wendell, at the beginning of the story, when we meet Wendell, he has lost that part of himself. He used to be a big dreamer when he had Clara and when Lilla was still living with him and she was growing up, he um, had big dreams and he had the farm and he would make those dreams come true. And then through the Dust Bowl and the depression, he lost a lot of those dreams and became embittered. And um, my grandfather wasn't ever, didn't ever become embittered the way that Wendell did, but he had that passion and that spark for life that I wanted Wendell to regain through Nitty. And so it was very important for me to have a magical farm in the story because there's so much hope that comes from growing things and from the regeneration of the earth. And so I definitely wanted to include that. And so I think when I started thinking about magical farms, I came up with the uh, seeds that Nitty stole from the Mary Thought window shop. Um, and then the story just kind of grew from there. But the frusal fruit, um, I wanted the crop to be magical and I wanted it to be something that no one had ever seen before. So I wanted it, the idea behind the fruit was that I wanted the fruit to give each character in the story something that had been taken away from them by the dusters and the storms. So um, I started thinking about what kind of, you know, I didn't want it to be a vegetable. I wanted it to be something sweet. And um, I started thinking about unusual colors for fruit and colors that you don't really see in a lot of fruit these days. And I started thinking about watermelons because I wanted the fruit to get really enormously large. And so it became kind of a fusion between a watermelon and a pomegranate. And I wanted it to be bright pink because that seemed really unusual to me. And I wanted every piece of the fruit and every part of the crop to be something that the, the townsfolk of Fortune's Bluff could use 
in order to regain their hope. So Ferdinand Klempt uses the frusel fruit tass tassels to make the pink mustaches and the frusel juice becomes something that everyone sips and everyone who tastes the frusel fruit or takes a sip of frusel juice is given a gift from the fruit and it's either in the form of a memory of something that they um, had at one point that they can regain or you know a confidence or a flavor that brings back a happy memory they all start to regain something that they've lost from the fruit this was one of my favorite parts of the interview avalon can you elaborate mm -hmm. what she said about the field was unique i loved how miss nelson added that the frusel field represented sorrow and hope yeah and mayor snollygoss could have changed if he actually tried the drink the story would have been very different, and so would the, so would the ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, did any of you wonder why Susie Nelson chose the time of the Dust Bowl? Actually, yeah. Like, why couldn't she have chosen a tornado or lightning instead? That's a good question. Luckily, we asked that, too. Let's hear this part of the interview. That's a great question. So, the original idea for Magnolia started with a dream that I had, and going back to... Mary the Elephant. I came across a photograph of her when I was actually doing research for another book. And I was on the internet and I just happened to come across a photograph of her execution. And it was really a disturbing photograph. And like I said, it haunted me. And the night after I saw that photograph, I had a dream about Mary the Elephant and an orphan girl who had stolen something. And in the dream, I didn't know what she'd stolen, but she was running through a crowd. She was being chased by some police officers. They were trying to catch her. And the elephant was in the middle of a town square and she was about to be hanged. And the orphan in my dream ran, it's pretty much exactly the way the first chapter of the book starts. Um, the orphan ran in between the legs of the elephant and, and hid underneath the belly of the elephant and no one would go near them. The two of them were protected. They protected each other. And the other thing that was happening in my dream, and there was really no rhyme or reason in particular for this uh, detail of my dream. It's one of those random things that sometimes happen when you're dreaming. But in the dream, um, all of this was taking place in the middle of this gritty, dirty dust storm. And I think part of that came from the fact that um, Mary the Elephant was killed in, I think, 1916, which was not actually when the Dust Bowl happened, but the Dust Bowl started happening in the early 1920s and went on for approximately a decade. It ended in the late 1930s. Um, so... All of that, um, you know, I wanted to kind of incorporate a historical time period into the story that was somewhat accurate with the time period for Mary's execution. And because the dream had had that storm in it, I, I decided on the Dust Bowl. And I decided that I was going to make the Dust Bowl into, that the Dust Bowl, the Dust Bowl in A Tale Magnolias was going to be a magical realism version of what the actual historical Dust Bowl in America was. Um, um, 
Um, and, you know, a lot of kids uh, in elementary school don't learn about the Dust Bowl anymore, not in a whole lot of detail. And the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl, it's a fascinating time in our nation's history because um, our nation as a whole was in a very dark place. There was very little money. Um, there was very little food. And in the Midwest, during the Dust Bowl years, um, crops were failing. There was a drought and these storms would blow through and just bury farms, bury houses, bury cows, um, barns, everything. Cars, um, animals died. People were in danger of suffocating. And um, actually the dust pneumonia that Twitch suffered from in the book was a real illness that occurred during the Dust Bowl years. People wore masks just like Twitch did in the book to protect themselves from the dust, but they still inhaled great quantities of it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I wanted to kind of pick a time period that was close to when Mary was executed and make it as historically accurate as, as I possibly could. This was one of my favorite parts of the interview. Yes, I think it was interesting how she talked about having a dream, and that was where she got the idea from. Yeah, and like said earlier, the story would have been affected, like Twitch. Stop it, Juha, you're gonna spoil the ending. Sorry. Let's do my favorite part of the interview. The question I had was, how did you pronounce Nitty's name? And Miss Nelson didn't just go through the name pronunciation. She explained what all the names meant. Back to Miss Nelson. Nitty Loose. Loose. Okay. Yeah. We thought so, but it's like as we podcast and everything, we want to make sure that we're we're doing our pronunciations, correct? That's yes. what we've learned yes. about podcasting. We've had students, you know, like in the middle of a podcast and we realize we don't know how to pronounce the author's last name correctly. <laughs> That's funny because my maiden name actually was a really difficult name to pronounce. It was a very German name and no one could ever spell or pronounce it. And when I, when I was getting married, my husband asked me if I was going to change my name. And I said, are you kidding me? No one is ever going to ask me how to spell Nelson. <laughs> so, That's so awesome. Um, yeah, so Nitty's, her last name is Luce, and there is a story behind her last name. Um, it is a derivative of light. Um, in different languages, Luce means light, um, and I wanted her to be a bringer of light and hope. So that is why her name is L-U-C-E, Luce, which means light. Um, so, and then Wendell Holmes, his name, his last name Holmes, I picked intentionally because I wanted his last name to reference the home that Nitty eventually finds with and, um, and Magnolias too. Magnolias finds a home there as well. And um, I'm trying to think of who else. Neezer. So snollygost is actually a real word, and snollygost is um, it's uh, a word that means kind of a swind a swindling, smooth talking politician, um, someone who is yes, yeah, someone who's a sneaky and loudmouthed politician. So um, snollygost that's where snollygost came from, and then neezer. I just made up the word Neezer because I thought it sounded like the name that someone who whistles through his nose should have. 
<laughs> to me, it sounded nasally and it seemed very fitting for someone who, who makes whistling sounds with his nose all the time. So that's how he became Neezer. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Don't they, don't you guys, are you yeah. Should, well, you can see their faces. They're like... <laughs> Yeah, so everyone's name in the story had a meaning. Sai, Crispin Sai, his his last name was Sai because he's he's so sad and forlorn. So I gave him the last name of Sai. And then Twitch, well, I think Twitch is kind of self-explanatory, but Twitch is called Twitch because he can never stop moving. So he's twitching. <laughs> I love this so much because of a part that stuck out to me, Wendell's name. Oh yeah, Wendell Holmes, his full name, was named after the word home to represent the place where it all began, the farm. I thought it was cool how all of our names actually meant something instead of throwing a Jackson or Page in there. I see what you mean. Miss Nelson took her time to make the characters' names. Okay, I actually had a question too. How was she alike to Nitty? How can Suzanne Nelson relate to Nitty? That's a good question, and I really liked her response t towards that. Here's what she said. Oh my goodness. Well, I love to read. Um, I like to use unusual words. I love the English language. I am a very passionate, enthusiastic person like Nitty is. And I tend to have a relatively optimistic outlook on life like Nitty does. Um, and I like to think that one of the things I hope to accomplish in my time on earth is to bring some joy and hope to the readers that I write for. So I may not be exactly like Nitty, but I hope that what my readers take away from my stories is some of that hope and joy for a better future, for a better world, and also for themselves, um, you know, middle school can be a difficult time. And I write for middle school readers. And part of the reason why I write for middle school readers is because I remember how difficult that time was in my life and how awkward and out of place I felt sometimes and what a struggle it was. And I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, but it was a, it was a long and challenging road to get to that point where I could actually be successful at it and be published. And it could be really discouraging. And I know from being that age that sometimes you feel like the whole world is against you. And one of the things I really hope that I'm doing as a writer is trying to reassure readers that um, that time in your life is not your whole life and that all the difficult things that you're going through and that are happening to you, you're going to get through and you're going to come out on the other side and you're going to grow into the people that you're supposed to be and it's all going to be okay. I liked how Miss Nelson said that she was similar to Nitty Three with their love of words. I can relate. I love reading and learning new words. That was so cool. Anyways, this is our first author interview for the school year. I thought it was an awesome experience. Wow, I really hope that people will read this. Run to your local library to find out what happens to Nitty and her friends. Don't miss out on what happens. Convince your teachers to read this as a read aloud. You can check out The Honest Truth, but don't forget to read A Tale Magnolias by Suzanne Nelson. What will happen to Nitty? 
Will she be able to save the town, or will she face the mayor stealing everything that was once theirs? Thanks for listening, but our headquarters are closing soon. I have to check out another book from the library. See you next time on our next podcast. Okay, finally, we're finished. <clears throat> Great, good run, you guys. My right's here, Sal. So. Wait, don't turn off. We forgot something. We need to thank our teachers, Miss Beelis. Oh, right, Mrs. Hornick. And Mrs. Naughton. We also want to thank the author, Suzanne Nelson, for a great book and taking the time to chat with us. Also, the amazing, awesome, talented Miss Campbell. We are so excited to be here today, and it wouldn't be without you. Thank you to everyone for listening to our podcast and supporting us. If you'd like to hear any of our other seasons on Books R Us, we can found on iTunes and Talking Tech to Connect website. I'm Juha, Avalon, and Shalini. Happy, Happy reading, reading to see yourself exceeding. exceeding.